The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 158 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm your host, George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed in the show are my own and not my present or past employers. I will never disclose any sense of intelligence that I've been privileged to as a result of my current employment, and I will never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government, and nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before we get started, I remind our listeners that you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at their very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out our recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at CSHub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at CSHUB.com. So we got a really cool show for you this evening. The general manager of the Americas for Mitiga, Mr. William Beer, is going to be on the show with us tonight. And Mitiga is a very, very high-speed, low-drag cybersecurity company. I mean, they really got it together over there. And they're employing these new, innovative technologies and different kinds of approaches uh, that are very outside uh, the box for companies who are really interested in protecting their business and their brands and their reputations. And you got to remember, folks, I mean, cybersecurity is the only domain in technology who has an adversary. We're the only domain in technology that has people that are very highly trained and very highly skilled fighting against us every day to try to defeat everything that we're trying to do. So, you know, these people, these adversaries that we have out there, if you look at your average uh, threat actor taxonomy, they're not boggled down by second and third line assessments and audits. I mean, they don't have all this red tape, right? They're not constantly being hammered by comprehensive in-depth regulatory exams that will just slow them down to a, a, a turtle pace, right? Snail's pace here. The adversary that we're dealing with is like a fast boat from a movie out of Miami Vice. Like, that's the way I think of them, right? And that's, that's the speed that they're acting with. They, they're very quick. They're very agile. And they're often complex and very unpredictable, so I think Mitiga has taken commercialized military-grade methodologies to provide organizations with this proactive sort of 360 cybersecurity service that they've really designed from the ground up. And get this, it's specifically for the cloud. So it's very timely uh, that we're going to have William on because last week, or actually a couple of weeks ago, we just had Nicholas Stamos on. He was the CEO and co-founder of eShare. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he was breaking down how companies are struggling with cloud collaboration deployments and how in general, and let's be honest when we talk about this, like, let's just say it, folks really don't know what they're doing when they are trying to secure cloud technologies with traditional on-prem security methods, right? It's just not the same thing, folks. It's not the same things and people are struggling. We're all trying to figure it out together. You know, how do we approach this, you know, security in the cloud? How do we approach incident response into the cloud? And I really think you have to think differently. And I think that's what Mitic is all about. So, 
Before Mitiga, William was a partner and principal in the advisory service practice of Ernst & Young, where he was dedicated to capital markets and the financial services sector. And his professional experience spans over 25 years and four continents in a wide range of global leadership roles, ranging from building cybersecurity businesses to CISO advisory engagements. So Williams operated at the highest echelons in the cybersecurity industry, folks. I mean, he's got extensive international experience. He's lectured at some of the most prestigious cybersecurity think tanks around the globe. He speaks several languages. I mean, he's just a super smart dude. And we're really lucky to have him return back to the show once again. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. William Beer. William, welcome to Task Force 7 Radio. Good day, George. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back on the show. Hey, I'm really excited to have you on, and I want to talk about incident response in the cloud and, and, and what you're seeing over the market. Let's start by level setting the conversation for us this evening. So what, what are some of the more exciting new developments that you're seeing in the broader cloud market over the last six months? What's going on out there? Well, that's a great question. <clears throat> Obviously, it's been a fascinating last six months, George. But if I had to kind of focus in on three things that I think are really interesting and exciting, I think number one would be a big shout out to our friends at Microsoft for the launching Azure Space. So setting up a whole a community um, dedicated of cloud of, of cloud experts dedicated to space exploration and potentially even providing cloud services in space has got to be, without a doubt, one of the coolest things that I've I've seen for a little while. Hmm. Um, I think other interesting developments has definitely been the use of the cloud to accelerate COVID-19 vaccine research. That's really, really interesting and compelling uh, use case. And then finally, I think we've all experienced the incredible uh, shift to homeworking that's taken place almost overnight. Uh, I, many friends at a large financial service organization moved 45,000 people to homeworking over a long weekend. And almost all of that was thanks to the cloud. So I think those three things combined are pretty good examples of some of the cool and exciting things that have happened over the last six months. You know, it's funny, William, you know, uh, traditionally I've heard, you know, in, in the tech space, a lot of people, you know, badmouth Microsoft a lot and, and talk about them. But man, everybody's using their products now. Everyone's migrating to their collaboration tools, right? It's exploding over there. And, you know, kudos to them, right? They deserve the kudos and accolades that uh, you just gave them. Um, how has COVID-19 impacted the market, you think? I mean, what are you seeing out there from a, a cloud technology space, from a collaboration perspective? Well, I think COVID-19, first of all, has really exposed companies that were either resistant to change um, or had underfunded their technologies. And what I've seen at a lot of the clients where I'm engaged with is um, increased focus and spend on digital transformation projects and the digital side of the house. And that's obviously driving a lot of adoption of new cloud technologies and cloud platforms. There's been a deferral of CapEx spending, but an increase in OPEX. And so if we look at the year and we look at some of the, the market analysts such as Gartner, um, they claim that about 19% of organizations will increase their spending in cloud despite a decrease of about 8% in IT. So cloud's going up, but IT is going down. And I think that it, that in itself is fascinating and clearly a trend to watch. Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you can still consider uh, cloud technologies emerging? Do you think you know, the cloud space is still emerging and how, how much more of a runway do you think we have with that title of an emerging technology? 
It's a great question. I, I tend to think it has emerged. Um, cloud takes up every single moment of my professional day. So I don't think it's emerging anymore. I think we're still in, it, uh, in our infancy in terms of uh, some of the frameworks, some of the methodologies and the systems that we use to protect it. And maybe we'll come on to that in a minute. But I do think you, you raise a good point. Uh, cloud has definitely emerged. So I guess it's, it's emerging at different speeds and in different sectors. If you look at different critical uh, infrastructure sectors and the financial services, you and I have worked in financial services for a long time. It's sort of uh, been somewhat of a laggard in cloud adaptation because of the, the data security concerns and the traditional thinking of, hey, look, you know, we have to have control of everything on-prem. You know, putting our data in the cloud is crazy. That's crazy talk. And, um, but this appears to be changing now. You know, what are you saying? No, you're right. Uh, most of my time now is spent with large financial service organizations. I think that they've come to the realization that if they're going to continue to play and continue to be competitive in this space, they need to have cloud as a fundamental core part of their strategy. Um, clearly, the, the flexibility that the cloud provides allows them to provide a whole range of services that can scale up, that can scale down. And that very flexibility is, is really, really important. And it was just last month, I think, that the CEO of NASDAQ, Dina Friedman, stated that, you know, they are going full on in cloud. And she actually says that in the next, I think she said 10 or so years, so maybe it's still emerging, um, that she sees the, the possibility of doing all trades in the cloud. So I think when you see people like the CEO of NASDAQ going full on into the cloud, it's clear that things are changing. And if you, if you think also, not just here in the US, but we look at maybe Switzerland, um, which has extremely um, tight regulations and Swiss banking laws, even the Swiss are starting to move uh, more aggressively to the cloud. Uh, just last week, AWS announced that they're going to be opening a new cloud zone dedicated to Switzerland. So things are moving, and I think there's momentum in the marketplace. Yeah, you mentioned the, the regulatory environment. I wonder if the regulatory environment is really behind you know, the implementation of cloud collaboration technologies. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know that it's conducive to um, this migration to the cloud and this transformation that we're seeing. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, do you believe that cloud services are more secure than on-prem? This is like, you know, something that's talked about all the time, right? I mean, well, yeah, that's, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> yeah, right? and, and clearly one that's, uh, you know, causes always a big debate. I personally do believe uh, that cloud services are going to be more secure than on-prem systems. Clearly, you know, the, the large CSPs have more resources, capabilities and R&D spend than even the biggest corporations. And so that in itself, I think is a compelling reason to state that, yes, they are going to be more secure. However, um, the migration and transition to the cloud exposes clients to the risk. So that window when they're transitioning can create a lot of confusion, can create some new risks. And I think that as more and more organizations move to the cloud, obviously the criminals are going to focus more on the cloud themselves. So I think that over time, the balance will move from you know, criminals attacking on-prem systems to criminals doubling down on cloud-based systems. And so I think that that is going to be a fascinating journey to watch. I think that what I've seen over the last six months or so is, again, most of the failures that are occurring, most of the problems that have happened in the cloud 
are due to the customer and oftentimes their human error. The environments in which they are operating, the cloud environments are very complex. They're adding new features and changing all the time. It's really hard to keep up and human error is, is commonplace. So you said something that I think uh, probably just, you know, uh, scared half the, half the public uh, out there that's listening to the show. And that's in terms of the criminals adopting to, you know, the, 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 the cloud transformation and also the, the, you know, the security around the cloud. What's it going to take or what would it take, do you think, for the, these cloud service providers to really start to uh, take a hit in, in the confidence in their business model, right? Their business is offering these clouds uh, security or these cloud services, right? And they have to be secure. And if for some reason, you know, there's a, maybe a, a large breach or some significant breach that's in the cloud or something happens uh, from a, uh, somebody loses all their data or it's um, damaged in some way, or if there's some kind of uh, massive attack that gets, you know, a lot of publicity, how much is that really going to damage their business? You know, I mean, how, what do you think about that? I mean, and then what, then what do people do? They just put all this money into the transformation into the cloud. And now they're seeing that, you know, they're maybe not as safe as, as, they, as they were. Um, and this is in the future, sort of looking into the future. And it's come kind of just throwing it out there. This isn't the situation today, but it very well could be, you know, to your point. Well, I think the, the large cloud service providers are very aware of, you know, the reputational risk of losing data on clients' data. And therefore, again, they're making significant and massive investments in this space. It's interesting to look at some of the big hires that have been made by some of the CSPs over the, just over the last couple of months. Um, they're actually bringing a lot of people, as you probably know yourself, from financial services across into the CSPs. And I think that that cross-pollination from financial services who are used to dealing with large on-prem systems into the Googles and the Microsofts and the Amazons is, is going to be positive. But I think the other thing that, that concerns me, George, is that all the benefits that the cloud offers to large corporations, the flexibility, the agility, um, the cost-effective solutions, the global footprints, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they also offer those advantages to the criminals. And so I think that that could probably be um, you know, a, a bit of a turning point because if a large attack was to take place that leveraged the cloud service providers themselves to attack another cloud service provider, things could get messy very quickly. Once again, just based on the agility and the power that that cloud service provider platform would give to the criminals themselves. All right, folks, we've got to transition into a commercial break, but stick with us. Lots more to come on Incident Response in the Cloud on our next segment of episode number 158 of Task Force 7 Radio. So, hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram by searching at TS7 Radio, and you'll be immediately connected to the extended TF7 family. For any inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email me directly at george at tf7radio.com. We're going to pull us with some quick messages from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with our special guest, the general manager of the Americas for Mitiga, Mr. William Beer. Whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. 
As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure. Security-innovation.org or Google Signet S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, the general manager for the Americas at Mitiga, Mr. William Beer. So, William, what do you see as the main drivers and barriers to moving to the cloud? Like, what are the problems that people are, you know, facing when they're trying to implement this transformation? Well, in terms of drivers, as I mentioned before, it's definitely going to be about cost savings and the ability to move to um, an OPEX model. That, to my mind, is one of the biggest business drivers. Also, from a technical point of view, just the agility and the time to deploy is, is clearly a major, major benefit, and especially a benefit during these difficult times that we're in. Some of the barriers, um, I think without a doubt, the number one barrier that I'm seeing is the lack of skills. 
there is a severe shortage of cybersecurity professionals in the industry, as you know, there's an even more severe shortage of cloud security specialists. And so that is, uh, without a doubt, the overarching problem I see. You combine that with a lack of strategy or governance. What I've seen at a lot of organizations where I've worked is that there isn't just one cloud security or cloud owner. And there's often competing groups, silos, and just no overarching strategy, which obviously complicates things. Yeah, organizational structure is continues to be a main problem, I think, in some of these larger organizations. And I always think there's an optimal way to do things, right? You have some people out there just think, oh, we can do this 16 different ways. And, you know, politics sort of gets in the way of who's running what. And, you know, that becomes a problem when you talk about execution and actually, uh, you know, getting from point A to point B. You know, you just mentioned, um, you just mentioned the skills. And I just want to talk about that for a second, because I think that was a really, you know, big point that you just made. And, you know, Nick was making the same point. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago is, you know, people just don't have the skills to uh, implement these transformations properly. What kind of skill sets does a cloud security practitioner need to have? Well, <laughs> my answer may surprise you because I think the number one skill is going to be a willingness to learn and a willingness to keep learning. It's going to be a continuous education process. So I'm personally not overly hung up on uh, certifications with regards to cloud security and, and, and how I can prove or how people can prove to me that they have the right skill set. It's without a doubt the ability to want to learn, to want to keep learning, to stay on top of all the change that we're seeing coming from all the different vendors. Yeah, so that's that intellectual curiosity, right? That you know, the people that are willing to get out there and, and figure out what's going on and learn new skill sets and and uh, be part of the transformation themselves. It's a, you know, it's a pretty interesting point. What about the risk? Okay, let's get let's let's dive into it a little bit. Let's unpack it. What are the top five risks you see in the cloud? Four, five, six. What what are you seeing out there? Like what what are in what is material right out of those risks? Yeah, so great question. I I, I think you know the first one that springs to my mind is probably a risk that is generated by some of the positive developments in the cloud space, which is just the speed of evolution and the change that is taking place. A lot of my clients are struggling because they're using different vendors and the amount of new features, new um, new, new, new things that the cloud providers are implementing almost on a weekly basis is extremely difficult to keep up with. Uh, there was a stat that I saw the other day, which was AWS added just in 2019 more than 1,800 features. So how do you keep up with that amount of change? That's gonna be one of the biggest uh, risks that I see. I think I touched on already on the lack of strategy Problem related to skills, George, is also attrition. Because when you do find the right people, how do you keep them happy and how do you make sure they're not poached? Um, we talked about misconfiguration and, and human error. That will continue, I think, to be one of the biggest risks and then, as we also mentioned before, I think all the benefits that the cloud is providing to businesses, it could theoretically provide to the criminals themselves. So I think it's those five things combined that are the biggest risks that I see. And again, I haven't touched on all the deep technical risks, George. I'm keeping it fairly high level, some of the business and strategic risks. But those are the ones that I hear and see when I engage with senior executives. Yeah, you mentioned the, you know, the criminals using the same technologies. They typically are uh, adopt faster 
to the, these new technologies because, like I said before, they're not just bogged down by all this red tape and and they don't have to follow any rules and there's no you know nothing there's no governance models where they are they can break any laws break any rules they want they don't care about anything and so they move quicker and, and they are able to move faster which is really disconcerting at sometimes and and it just you know goes to show you how much you know agility and speed how important it is uh, in our business right how does hybrid cloud and multi-cloud impact security? Because some people aren't going to a full cloud model, they're going to these hybrid cloud models, and they're taking sometimes these baby steps in this transformation. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, again, um, similar to some of the points we discussed just earlier, but each CSP, each cloud service provider has its own jargon, their own specific technologies, and their approaches to security management are all going to be different. That creates an incredible challenge for the, the in-house security teams. Um, how do they stay on top of the different CSPs approaches, um, different tools, different configurations? I think that the big, biggest challenge that they're facing um, that I'm seeing is, can you establish a core set of controls that map and support, whether it be on-prem systems and then multiple cloud service provider vendors. And that is going to be, without a doubt, one of the biggest challenges organizations face. How can you establish a common set of, co uh, of controls that provide you support, not only for on-prem, because on-prem isn't going to go away any day soon. It's going to be time. It's going to be a fairly lengthy amount of time before um, clients can just switch over. Um, but to be able to establish that set of core controls, I think is going to be fundamental. So you talk about the CSP a lot. How do you balance the shared responsibility between the CSP and the client? You know, what, what, are each, what are each of their roles in terms of securing the cloud environment? Well, you know, interesting, you know, what motivates the CSPs and what motivates the corporations, right? Each organization has different business objectives. I and mean, the CSP's main objective is obviously to protect the multi-tenant cloud environment, including the backend services, the physical infrastructure, and ensure that there's no co-mingling of data between different customers. And then the cloud customer on the other side is responsible for securing their data and, and user management. And so I think that the main challenge that organizations are facing is to understand um, roles and responsibilities um, and understand what they can get from the CSP, where what they need to do, and that there's no daylight, there's no gaps between the two different models. That to my mind is the important part. So roles and responsibilities need to be clarified from the get-go. Do you think the CSPs have been more transparent lately in terms of letting the client know what their security protocols actually are and maybe even increasing the, the SLAs with their you know, time to notification about any type of events or incidents that happen regarding their data? As I said before, I think most of the CSPs are, are recognizing that they have to continue to invest and continue to improve. This isn't a, you know, a problem that's solved and they can move on. Um, as you mentioned before, the agility and the speed that's happening from the criminal's perspective is driving the cloud service providers really hard. And as I said also, I think that um, some of the big hires that the cloud service providers have made, primarily from some of the financial service organizations recently, is really going to help them better address clients' needs because um, obviously the financial service organizations raise the bar really high. And so if uh, we can bring some of that expertise, some of that know-how into the CSPs, I think we're going to address some of the problems you just touched on. Yeah, it's interesting because I think it's actually a competitive advantage for some of these CSPs uh, when they're being more transparent with some of these clients, giving them the comfort they need 
uh, and actually securing their services, their products and services and becoming partners with them. You know, how, how relevant do you think the existing controls are and methodologies uh, in the cloud space right now? I mean, what's the, what's the, where are, where do they sit? We need to transform this as well or what? I, I think we do. I mean, that's one of the reasons, you know, I joined Mitiga because what I was hearing from my clients was one, they wanted more cloud security uh, uh, expertise. And two, they were worried that you cannot simply map the existing approaches, frameworks, Excel-based assessment methodologies to a fast-paced agile cloud environment. Now that said, I do think that our friends at the Cloud Security Alliance or even the Information Security Forum with their core control uh, cloud, uh, sorry, core cloud controls um, have done a great job. And I think that those matrices and those controls which have been designed from the ground up are really going to help. But I think it is a mistake to just think you can map a traditional approach or a traditional security program to such a fast paced dynamic environment such as the cloud. William, we've got to take another short break to hear from our sponsors, uh, but don't go away folks. We'll be right back with our special guest, the General Manager of the Americas for Mitiga, Mr. William Beer. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 Hacker Innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure. Security-innovation.org or Google Sinet S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, the general manager of the Americas for Mitiga, Mr. William Beer. So, William, uh, what should clients be thinking about and and end users be doing to accelerate their cloud journey safely and securely? Well, I think without a doubt, it's it's first of all ensuring that there's a, a correct and an effective strategy in place. Um, oftentimes, what I've been seeing is that clients start to dabble in the cloud, but they don't have an overarching strategic plan. Um, They don't have a governance framework in place. And above all, they don't have that core set of cloud security controls that I mentioned before. You know, they need to recognize this is going to be different. It's going to take a a new approach. And so they need to stop trying to think about this as a traditional on-prem challenge and really, really make the jump wholeheartedly into the cloud. I also think that uh, cloud resiliency assessments can go a long way to help understanding the far-reaching implications of a breach and also test um, the controls, test the approach, test the skill sets that are in place or that need to be in place. So that's a relatively cost-effective way to start to ramp up when clients move into the cloud. No doubt, right? Drill, drill, drill. You can't drill enough. You got to prepare, you right? If, I you mean, if you're, if, you're, <laughs> if you're trying to prepare for that day when it happens, I mean, you're already done, right? You're, you're toast. How, how can clients best respond to an incident in the cloud? And that's just, you know, this is the big question for this whole episode, right? Because this is where it becomes, I think, a lot different than uh, traditional incident response processes on, you know, on-prem incidents, Yep. No, absolutely. And this is where, um, quite frankly, we're seeing a lot of traditional players struggle to add value because one, you know, you need to make sure that you have the right partners, um, that they have this cloud security expertise. And also, you know, let's be frank, it's a, it's a very busy uh, busy time for many, many cybersecurity professionals. So you need to make sure not only do you have retainers in place, but also that you have access to the A-team. Um, coordination is going to be critical for any of these breaches uh, when they do occur. But most of the time, um, unfortunately, just because there are so many breaches taking place, you're not necessarily going to get the A-team. And so I think that that needs to be clarified and defined right from the get-go with very clear retainers, very clear SLAs. And as I said before, making sure you've got the right cloud security experts on board, ready to go if and when it happens. Is one retainer enough for an incident response uh, retainer? I mean, incident response company, I mean, how many retainers should, should a company have? 
I'm, I'm smiling as you asked that question because I had the exact same question from a client a couple of days ago. And, and clearly, I think you do need more than one retainer. Um, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. So multiple retainers are a good place, are, are a good thing. You also need to think about geographies because, you know, large corporations may have retainers with different um, countries, with different people who have different uh, language skills. So I think that having a couple of retainers and a couple of people on board ready to, ready to help if and when necessary is without a doubt a good thing. So how can clients, uh, you know, best respond, you know, when there's an incident out there in the cloud, like what, what, what should they be doing? You know, they have the retainers in place, they have these relationships, they've started to drill, but what else is there? If we had to unpack it further, is there anything else that you, that you would recommend? Sure. So we, we talked briefly about simulation exercises. I've, I'm a great fan of simulation exercises at different levels, whether it be at the executive level, whether it be more operational. Um, simulation exercises based on cloud scenarios are going to help you build your muscle memory. Um, they're going to help the teams get ready for the inevitable. And also, uh, George, it's important to point out that you know it's hard to get into the traditional war room now if we're all working from home. So the simulation exercises also need to contemplate working remotely. And so we've seen a lot of activity in this space. And I think that that'll help and, and, and take clients a long way towards getting better prepared. A couple of other things that I think are interesting is also think about your logging strategy, um, because you need to make sure that you have access to the right info and the right logs if and when it occurs. And then the other thing that I think is, is, is really interesting. I've seen over the last, I'd say, four to six months, a lot of organizations are starting to say, hey, does our security operations center have the right skills, the right runbooks, the right logs, the right alerts and notifications to handle an incident in the cloud? And unfortunately, a lot of the time, the answer to that is no. So um, think about you know, what your SOC is doing, what their capabilities are, are they prepared for the cloud? And if not, think about some of the things I just touched on. We're seeing a lot of activity and a lot of interesting projects around heads of security operations centers. William, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you coming on. This is a very interesting topic. I'd love to have you back on maybe a panel, uh, maybe on, on cloud transformation and uh, to do some other things. We're going to keep working together, man. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. Thanks for your time. Great. All right, folks, it's time to go. But before we do, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub to read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at CS hub.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. This is Dave Frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.